Pastor John here. Glad to have you gathering with us once again for another online gathering. Uh, I'm just going to dive right on into the text as we look to complete this two-week series that we're in on strength and courage and just the need for it that we have and the fact that God has provided for us a means to really be able to have it and own it. Joshua chapter one, starting in verse six, and it says this, be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land. I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You ought to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. God, we're desperately in need of both strength and courage. We ask that you would give them both to us today. Help us to take a hold of it through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, well, if you weren't with us last week, uh, last week we started to talk about the need that we have, not just in our day and age, but especially in the time that we are right now, uh, the need that we have for strength and courage, right? Uh, we need courage, especially in the midst of transitions, because transitions are scary. You've gone through a whole lot in the course of the past few months, and you're going to go through a whole lot here in these next few months. And what transition does is it brings up this change and change brings up this fear. What it does is it robs us of everything that we've uh, gained our comfort in. Change robs us of the circumstances uh, that we've learned to remain comfortable in. And it feels like armed robbery because you know it's coming, but there's nothing that you can do about it. Uh, and throughout all of your lives, right? Individually, there's seasons of change that are going on right now. Friendships, relationships, marriages, kids, uh, societally, right? We, we've seen all these transitions in the course of the past few months. In between us, spiritually and emotionally, every spiritual rhythm that you've built in your life since you were a kid or since you came into faith has been disrupted and it's changed. And I just want you to hear this. Look, change is happening. There's nothing that you can do about it, right? And as Christians, we all know what the outcome is. We know that God is going to use it all for our good. So we know that God has guaranteed that at the end of the road. Uh, but what we don't want to do is wait until God is finished with what he's doing to enjoy what he's doing, right? We all know that one day we're going to take a deep sigh of relief when God accomplishes his work. But one of the gifts that he has for you and I is that we don't have to hold our breath until he gets there. We can enjoy the journey, but in order to enjoy the journey, do you know what we, we need? We need courage, right? And the reason why I say that is because uh, fear is something that's very, very real. And here's an interesting thing of, uh, uh, about fear. Um, 
You don't even have to know what it is you're afraid of to really feel fear, right? Fear doesn't need a name tag to come in and dominate, right? We tend to fear the unknown, right? Have you ever been at a place where you've just been gripped with fear and somebody says, what are you afraid of? And you say, I don't even know, but I know that I'm fearful. I know that my chest gets tight when I think about the future, right? Fear can remain anonymous and dominate, but courage can't. You cannot know what you're scared of and still be scared. But in order to be courageous, you have to know why. And so what God's going to do in Joshua 1 is he's not just going to command him to be strong and courageous. Telling somebody not to be afraid is like when you were getting whooped as a kid and your parents told you stop crying. It really doesn't help, right? You've got to give me reasons why. And so God is going to reiterate to Joshua. And in a derivative sense, he's going to do the same thing to us. Reasons why we can be strong and courageous. The source of your courage has to be named and God is going to do that. So we all know how to take advantage of it, right? And one of the things that I just want you to see as we go throughout all of this is this. Um, there are a thousand things that you can be afraid of. And in this text right here that is meant to instill courage inside of you, God is not going to mention one of those things, right? The answer to fear is not dissecting and finding a specific answer for each thing that you fear, as we're going to see here in this text. Um, the answer to the thousands of fears that we have is to embrace the one solution that takes care of them all. In other words, when it comes to courage, courage comes from focusing on who's on your side, not who wants to fight. Courage comes when you take your eyes off of who wants to fight and you fix your eyes on who's on your side. So we see at least three things here in this text. That phrase, be strong and courageous, is going to be repeated three times. And in it, I think we're going to get these three keys to being courageous amidst the transitions, the fear of the unknown that we have here in this world. And the very first one is this. Yo, we can be courageous because the outcome is fixed. We can be courageous because the outcome is fixed. There's this thing in sports called point shaving and what gamblers would do is they would get one of the star players on a team and they would recruit him and they say, hey, we want to make a quick buck off of your game. So what we'll do is we'll actually bet on the other team and we're going to have you fix the game. And what they meant by fix the game is we're going to have you sabotage your team. We want you to ensure a loss because we know there's no way for you to really guarantee victory, but you can guarantee a loss. That's the best that we can do when it comes to trying to fix games. But look at what God says. God's going to say, uh, Joshua, God's going to say, we can be courageous because at the end of the day, the outcome is is fixed, but not in the, the way that we fix games. 1-6 says this, be strong and courageous 
Look here. For you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give to them as an inheritance. God says, Joshua, you can be strong and courageous because at the end of the day, the door to victory is right there and I'm going to guarantee that you get in. God's going to use these words, you will. That's a promise. God's not just going to say you will, but he's going to go so far as to specify the particular role that Joshua will play in it. God said, I made a promise that I would give this entire land to your forefathers and Joshua. I want you to be strong and courageous because I want you to know I'm going to come through on that promise and I'm going to use you to come through on that promise, right? Hear this. For Joshua, the future up until this point was unknown, but never confuse the future being unknown with the future being unwritten, right? Those are not the same thing. Just because we don't know what will take place doesn't mean there is not something that will take place. And the God who created the world has written that story, and he's going to let this man into the end of it. Uh, me and Chandra love to watch shows together uh, when she's faithful and doesn't watch ahead of me. Um, but there was this one show that we spent time uh, starting to watch together over, over, over the course of these past few months. I'd seen it before a bunch of times. Um, and Chandra gets really emotionally invested and involved in the character. She breathes heavy, her heart is deep into what goes on and there's sometimes where things get really really tense right really really hot she's sweating anxious and she says john is he gonna die is he gonna die now as she's fretting i'm not fretting do you know why because i know the outcome so i don't trip over the obstacles or the conflict that takes place there because i know how things end and look at what she's doing it's hard for her to enjoy the show because she, her heart is filled with so much anxiety in terms of how things will turn out so what she does is she goes to somebody that knows the end of the story and she says john just tell me what's gonna happen so that i can enjoy this in peace and not fret this is what God does. He gives Joshua the outcome. Josh, you can be courageous because at the end of the day, just because the rest of the story is unknown, it doesn't mean it's unwritten. God has written the story. God clues Joshua in to the end. The outcome is determined, even if it hasn't been discovered by you yet discovering the outcome all that does is it gives you a different level of satisfaction on the journey and that's what god does here and that's what god does throughout the rest of the scripture that's why this next part is really going to be key right well uh, god's been gracious in providing a record of all he's done in the past so that we can see that as a model for what he'll continue to do in the future God has promised complete success to Joshua in fewer words. And then he follows it up with this little piece right here, right? God's going to say, all right, if the outcome is fixed and that's the door, you're going to need a key to get into that door. And do you know what he says that key is? 
obedience. Look here at verse 7 and 8 and look at the words that are repeated and highlighted on, on the screen. Above all, be strong and very courageous. Hear this. To observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Did you catch that? He's talking about obedience. But what's the other words that are repeated there? Right? Do it all. Focus on God's word. Think, think, think. That's going to be the key. But what he drives out here twice here is so that or so you will have success in everything that you do. The obedience here is matched or it's paired with an incentive. God's going to do the heavy lifting of ensuring Joshua makes it to the end goal, right? So he can find courage in that the outcome is written, but he's going to need courage to be able to unlock that door. And obedience is going to be the way that Joshua and you and I unlock the door of this outcome that God is trying to to bring, right? And, and, and so let me see if I can um, explain that by way of illustration or just some implications. The book of Joshua, if it could be described in one word, that one word is, hear this, conquest. Joshua, throughout this book, is going to fight something like 31 wars to take a hold of this land that God has for them. And so you would think that in order to guarantee success in the work that Joshua would do, God would need to up his competence as a military strategist. But do you know what you see here? Not one mention of military strategy. That what God's trying to say is this, look, true success in this world, true success in this life, isn't found in the place that you think that it is. That if you think that true, spiritual, holistic, emotional success is going to be found in your personal competence to overcome the obstacles that come your way, you are going to be sorely mistaken and you're gonna be frequently disappointed because you're quickly going to find yourself up against opponents who are more competent than you. And so here at the beginning of this book of war and conquest, God is going to say, Joshua, the key to your success is, hear this, obedience. The key to your success is going to be not in how well you can master military strategy, but it's going to be in how well you can master my word, my instructions, my wisdom, right? And here's what I love, right? That when God's saying, when, when God is saying that obedience is the key for you and I to experience success, what he's not doing is creating some kind of legalism or karma. The more that you do this, the more I'll love you and the better things will go well. God is just saying there's an order to the way that things work here in this world. 
and God saying, I want you to obey and hear this obedience in scripture is always tied to an incentive. And the reason why it's tied to an incentive is to help you and I see, look, 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 when we obey, it's not that God needs something from us. It's that God wants something for us. God wants Joshua to experience success because it's only in Joshua's success that God is going to fulfill his promise. God has put his, he has tied his fulfilling his word to Joshua's success. So God has a dog in the fight of seeing Joshua succeed. And so he's going to call him to obey. Um, it's like last week we were at the crib. Ava was eager to get her food, pulled the pizza straight out the oven. And I told her, yo, Ava, chill, wait until it's cool. And she said, but daddy, I like hot food. And I said, Ava, wait until it cools off. I'm not asking you to obey for me. Ava, I'm asking you to obey for you. Um, she disobeyed. And at the end of the day, she got the consequences for her action. I just pulled her aside and I said, sweetheart, I'm giving you these rules and instructions because I want you to prosper and thrive. And the top, uh, the roof of your mouth being scorched is not prosperous by any definition of the word. So God's going to tell him, yo, stay close to my word, meditate on it. Right. And, 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 so I just want to bring this up as well as God is saying, yo, carefully observe my word, meditate. What he means by that um, is this, uh, you know, when meditation is talked about in the world, it's this concept of emptying your mind to just find serenity and peace. When the Bible talks about med meditation, it's not an emptying of your mind so that you can find peace. It's a filling of your mind so that you can find courage. That this careful meditation, what it means is it's just this, taking God's words and personally applying them to your life. We've heard that a million times, but all right, here's what that looks like. You do this a million times in a day. Um, you do it with perceived insults. When you think that somebody is underhandedly insulting you, do you know what you, you do? You take their words, you turn it over in your head, and you say, was that meant for me? Why would they say that about me? How could they? I've only been good to them. And you take words that weren't meant for you, and you apply them personally to you. But when it comes to God's word, we take words that are personally meant for us, and we're really great at applying them to somebody else. But what God's saying is meditate on it like you do insults that weren't even meant for you. Meditate on it uh, like you did back in school when your crush gave you a Valentine card with a Valentine pun that didn't mean anything. Yoda would be on the front of the card and it would say like, like Yoda best, and you would read into that and say, well, what's he trying to get at? What's she trying to get at? She thinks that I'm the best out of all the folks in the class. She gave me this card, he gave me this card. And you read into things and apply things personally for you. God saying, that's what I want you to do with the word. That I don't just 
want you on YouTube, although it's great. I don't just want you on podcasts. That's great. I don't just want you reading. That's great. But I want you to read it and take it and turn it over in your mind and constantly be reminded about the faithfulness of God to get creative in how we take in God's word because this is the key to our success, abiding close by to this God, right? Courage comes from you and I embracing the fact that the outcome is fixed, right? There is a door of victory that God has invited us to walk through. Courage comes from knowing that obedience is the key to unlock that door. And that's good news, but it's also bad news, right? Because if you are anything like me, when you were a kid, your parents gave you a key to get into the house and you would recklessly break that key or lose that key. And when it comes to obedience, if you're anything like me, you find out, Lord, if obedience to your will is the key to my success, then do you know what? I'm in trouble because I constantly fall short. I constantly, I know that I shouldn't be afraid. I know that I should look to you, but do you know what? I constantly look to everything else and hear this. I don't even know why I'm scared, but I know that I'm scared. And once I think I've identified my fears, my fears switch name tags. And it turns out that I really wasn't scared of just not meeting somebody. I really wasn't just scared of not uh, being able to have enough money to pay for my bills. I was actually scared of being unloved. I was actually scared of not having the security and we find ourselves gripped with all these fears and breaking the very laws that God had meant for our good and not experiencing the prosperity and the success and the peace that he wants for us. What do we do? Here's probably the best news of all. The key to courage is about who's on your side, not who wants to fight. The key to courage is not even about how well you perform. And God's going to close things out here, right? One nine, God's going to come back and say this, look, have I not commanded you? And so God will command. God's going to say this, be strong and courageous. Look, don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is going to talk more about his occupancy in our hearts than he is the opposition, right? Here's the great news for everybody. Here's the great news for everybody that feels like they failed in obedience. God's saying, no, no, look, you can be strong because even when you fail in obedience, know this, I'm going to be with you. God doesn't need to address the thousands of things that you are afraid of. He's going to spend his time addressing the one answer to your fear and the one answer to your fear that if you were confident that you had this would wipe away all of your fears instantaneously is his presence, right? And so look, look, here's how that plays out. And I'll close out with a illustration. Uh, the disciples spend three and a half years with Jesus fearful. And then the moment 
he's taken from their presence. Look at this. They run away from people that aren't chasing them. But you get into the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts, you find Christ followers that are full of courage. What changed? Do you know what changed? A clear and abiding sense that Jesus was with them, and he hadn't left them. On the cross, uh, Jesus faced all of our fears. And he didn't just face our fears. He experienced the worst of our fears abandonment by God, punishment for all of our sins, and he experienced the fruit of disobedience so that his one act of obedience to God would be the thing that provides you and I with a sense of courage. That in dying on the cross for our sins, paying the price for our sins, and making you and I acceptable to God, he offers his spirit to be with us. So at the end of the gospels, Jesus will raise from the dead and he'll say to them, I'll be with you always. And it's that sense that he's with them that actually empowers them to courageously obey. Here's what that looks like. Ava has not slept in her whole bed for a full night uh, for months. We, we tried everything to get her to do it, but she always crawls into our bed. And so here's what we did, right? When all else fails, uh, you got to try bribery. So we have this chart on our refrigerator and we say, hey, sweetheart, for each night that you sleep in your bed, here's what's going to take place. You get a sticker on the chart. Once you get four stickers, you get a treat here. The treat is yours. She's hype. We're hype. Me and Chandra high five, right? Uh, and we go to bed that first night. She comes into the room and she fails. And we say, Ava, uh, you're not going to get your treat. And she's so overcome with fear that she says, I don't care. Right? That's how... You and I get, we know there's an incentive to obey, but we get so overcome that our sin and our fear makes us say, I don't care. Last night, Ava slept through her uh, or slept in her own bed the whole night. But here's the catch. Halfway through the night, Chandra gets up and before she could make her way to us, Chandra makes her way to her. Chandra sleeps in the bed with her for the rest of the night. Ava wakes up in the morning, and when we're on the phone, I said, hey, sweetheart, good job. You slept in your bed the whole night. Now, you may think, well, that's cheating because mom was with her the whole night. Well, it's not. Her, Ava's, ability, Ava's ability to obey was really fueled by the presence of a caring parent with her. That was the thing that crowded out her fears. By herself, she had a thousand fears that drove her out of bed. But with her mom by her side, her mom occupied that place and it evicted every one of her fears. She was fueled to obey and rewarded for her obedience by the presence of a loving parent. And God is saying it is the same thing with us, Jesus' death on the cross has removed any barrier for any of us to ever think that God would abandon us. Instead, he's promised to always be with us, and that is the thing that fuels our courage. Sin is not your master. We are not 
afraid of it. Christ is greater than our fear. Addiction does not define you. Despair is not in your future, so it shouldn't define your present. The disciples were gripped by fear, but knowing that Jesus was present with them changed the very people that they were, and it is the same for you. What God wants you to know today through his son, Jesus Christ, is that you can be courageous through any change or transition that comes your way because the outcome is fixed. Obedience does come first, but Christ's occupancy in our hearts is something that is forever. There is no expiration date. God is a big God and takes up a whole lot of space. So when he fills our heart, fear is evicted. It's not saying that it still won't visit from time to time, but it's saying, no, no, no. Listen, we are courageous people, right? Cowards, fear possesses them. For those of us who are our Lord's possession, fear can't possess us. We may have a little bit of fear from time to time, but we remember that the big God that we serve, who's promised to be with us forever, wants to evict that fear. Like Joshua, I want you to know you're up now. There's a future that's unknown to you, but it doesn't mean it's unwritten. And everything that you fear is like nothing when it comes to God. Listen, you're up now, right? I don't know the specific things that you fear, but I don't have to know the particularities to provide the same prescription that God does in his word. Who's on your side is way more important than who wants to fight. And Jesus faced death, the thing that all of us ultimately fear the most, conquered it by his spirit, and then promised to fill you and I with that same spirit, not just so that God would be with us, but so that you and I would always have a deep and abiding sense that God is with us so that we can go forward and face anything, any change, any transition that our world throws at us. You're up now to faithfully do everything that God has called you to do. The outcome is fixed. Obedience does come first, but God's occupancy inside is forever. Remember who's on your side. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to remember that you are on our side. You've never failed any of your children, and you won't start with us. Help us to be filled with courage to step out, do things for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.